our 1.28 release lead is fantastic and they're so capable of uh, handling the release. That's you, isn't it? 1.29? <laughs> no, I'm too tired. I need, I need to catch up on my sleep. I'm Craig Box, and this is a Let's Get to the News special feature. Grace Wynn is a computer engineering student at the University of Waterloo. With backgrounds in DevOps and security, she's leading the Kubernetes 1.28 release after being on the release team for over two years. Grace is a contributor to SIG Security, and as a member of Gen Z, she told me she does not understand what a LAN party is. Let's get to the release interview. Welcome to the show. Really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're a student at the University of Waterloo, so I want to spend the first two minutes of this interview, of course, talking about the uh, Greater Kitchener-Waterloo region. It's August, so it's one of the four months of the year when there's no snow visible on the ground. Well, it's not that bad. I think the East Coast have it kind of good. I grew up in Calgary, but I do love summer here in Waterloo. We have a petting zoo close to our university campus, so I go and see the llama sometimes. Is that a new thing? I'm not sure. It seems like it's been around like five-ish years, the Waterloo Park. Okay. I think they were building a lot of that. I lived there in, I want to say, 2007 for a couple of years, just to, to set the scene for why we're talking about this. Mm. I, I remember, of course, Kitchener holds the second largest Oktoberfest in the world. Is that something you've had a chance to check out? I have not. I actually didn't know that that was a fact. Okay. Well, uh, the, the local civic organization is going to have to do a bit more work, I feel. Do you like ribs? I have mixed feelings about rips. It's kind of a hit and miss situation for me so far. And again, that might be something that's changed over the, the last few years. There was a, a lot of little trophies with little pigs on top of them, but I feel that the changing dining habits of the world might mean they've had to do some, some vegan or vegetarian options to <laughs> please the modern palate. For sure. Do you recommend the Oktoberfest here? Have you been? I went a couple of times. Like it, It's a lot of fun. Okay. It's just basically drinking. Like I say, I would have recommended it back then. I'm not sure it would be quite what I'd be doing today. All right, good to know. The Ribfest, however, I, w I, w I would go back just for that. Oh, okay. And the great thing about Ribfest as a concept is that they have one in every little town. So Kitchener one, I, again, I looked it up, it's in July. You've just missed that one. But you could go to the Waterloo Ribfest in September. Oh, it is in September. They have their own Ribfest? They do. I think Guelph has one and Cambridge has one. That's the advantage, obviously. There's these lots of little cities, but Kitchener and Waterloo are sort of two cities that grew into each other. They, they do call them the Twin Cities. And I hear that they finally built the light rail link between the two of them. It is fantastic. It makes the city so much more walkable. Yes, uh, you can go from one mall to the other. That's Canada for you. Well, Uptown is really nice. I quite like it. It's quite cozy. Do you ever cross the border over into Kitchener or only when you've lost a bet? Yeah, not quite a lot. Only for Farmer's Market, I say. Worthwhile. Yeah. There's a lot of good food there, I remember. So quite lovely. Now we've got all that out of the way, let's travel back in time a little bit. You mentioned there that you went to high school in Calgary. I did. I've not been to Ontario before I went to university, so... Calgary was, frankly, too cold and not walkable enough for me. I basically say the same thing about Waterloo, and that's why I moved to England. Fascinating. Gets better. How did you get into tech? I took a computer science class in high school. I was uh, one of maybe only three women in the class, and mm -hmm. I kind of stuck with it since. Was that gender distribution part of your thought process at the time? Yeah, I think I was drawn to it partially because I didn't see a lot of people who look like me in the class. You follow that through to university. What, what is it that you're studying? I am studying computer engineering, so a lot of hardware stuff. And you're involved in the uh, UW Cybersecurity Club. What can you tell me about that without having to kill me? 
Uh, we are very nice and friendly people. I told myself I'm going to have a nice and chill summer. And then I thankfully got chosen to lead the release and then also ended up running the Waterloo Cybersecurity Club. Um, the club kind of died out during the pandemic um, because we weren't on campus, but we have so many smart and amazing people uh, who are in uh, cybersecurity. So it's great to get them together and I learned so many things. Is that like the modern equivalent of the LAN party? You're all getting into a dark room and uh, trying to hack the Gibson? <laughs> well, you'll have to explain to me again what a LAN party is. Do you, you, do you bring your own PC? You used to. Back in the day, it was incomprehensible that you could communicate with a different person in a different place at a fast enough speed. So you had to physically sit next to somebody and plug a cable in between you. Okay. Well, kind of the same, I guess. We bring our own laptop and we go to CTF competitions together. They didn't have laptops back in the days of LAN party. It was You'd bring the giant 19-inch square monitor and everything. It was a badge of honor of what you could carry. Okay. Can't relate, but good to know. <laughs> One of the more unique aspects of UW is its co-op system. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so as part of my degree, I am required to do uh, minimum five and maximum six co-ops. So I've done all six of them. Two of them uh, were in Kubernetes, and that's how I got started. A co-op is a placement as opposed to something you do on campus? Right, so co-op is basically an internship. One of the one I did at Ericsson uh, was my second co-op. My first one was at the Canada Revenue Agency. We didn't have Wi-Fi and I had my own cubicle, which is interesting. They don't do that anymore at the open office space. But yeah, at Ericsson, I learned about Kubernetes and it was during the pandemic. So KubeCon offer virtual attendance for students. And I signed up and I poked around and has been around since. Just on a tangent, what was it like going through university during the COVID years? What did that do in terms of things where you would previously have gone and traveled to do these internships and so on? Were, were they things you all did just from home? Yeah, I'm, I'm not totally sure what I missed out on. For sure, love that relationship building. But also, we do have to move a lot as part of the co-op experience. So um, last fall, I was in San Francisco. I was in Palo Alto earlier this year. Um, so a lot of that dynamic has, has already been the case. Definitely different weather systems, Palo Alto versus Waterloo. Oh, for sure. Yes, yes. Really glad I was there over the winter. The first snow would fall in Ontario about the end of October, and it would pile up over the next few months, and it, there were still piles that hadn't melted by June. So that's why I say there were only four months of the year, July through September, where there was no snow on the ground. That's true. Didn't catch any snow in Palo Alto, and honestly, that's great. <laughs> Thank you, global warming, I guess. Oh, no. <laughs> Tell me about the co-op term that you did working with Kubernetes at Ericsson. We were, this is such a long time ago, but we were uh, trying to build some sort of pipeline to deploy testing. Um, and it was running inside a, a cluster and I learned Helm charts and all that goods. And then the co-op after that, I worked at a Canadian startup in fintech and it was 24-7 Kubernetes building their secret injection system. So using Argo CD to automatically pull secrets from 1Password with this like new thing that 1Password released at the time. And how did that lead you on to involvement with the release team? It was over the pandemic, so I didn't have a lot to do. Uh, and so I went to the conference, saw so many cool talks. One that really stuck out to me was Kubernetes hacking talk by uh, Tabitha Sable and V Corbs. And I thought it was the most amazing thing and it was so cool. And then one of my friends was on the release team at the time and she kind of showed me like what she does and I applied and thankfully got in. It was fully, I didn't have any open source experience. It was fully like, uh, one of those things where like someone took a chance on me. And how would you characterize the experience that you've had to date with involvement 
pretty much with every release since then. Yeah, I think it was a really formative experience and the community has been such a big part of it. You started as an enhancement shadow with Kubernetes 122, eventually moving up to enhancements lead. Then you moved on to be the release lead shadow. Obviously, you are the lead for 128, but for 127, you actually did something a bit different. What was that and why did you do it? Right. So I think for 125 and 126, I was release lead shadow. So I had an understanding of what that role was like. And so I wanted to shadow another team. And I thought CI signal at that time was a big black box to me. And so I joined the team, but I also had capacity for other things. So I joined uh, as a branch manager associate as well. What is the difference between that role and the traditional release team roles we think about? Yeah, that's a great question. So the brand management roles is kind of a more constant role. So they don't get necessarily swapped out every release. You shadow as an associate, so you do things like cut releases, distribute them, update distros, things like that. Really important role. And the folks that are in there is, is more technical. So if you are uh, has been on the release team for a long time and looking for a more permanent role, I recommend looking into that. Well, congratulations again on the release of 128 today. Yeah, thank you. What is the best new feature in Kubernetes 128 and why is it sidecar container support? Great question. I am as excited as you. In 128, we have a new feature in alpha, which is sidecar container support. Um, so we introduced this new field called a restart policy for init containers that allows the containers to live throughout the life cycles of the pod and it doesn't block the pod uh, from terminating. Craig, you know a lot about this, but there are so many use cases for this. This is a very common pattern. You know, you use it for logging, monitoring, metrics, also conflicts and secrets as well. And the service mesh. And the service mesh. Very popular. I will say that the sidecar pattern was called out very early on, I think, in one of the blog posts Brendan Burns wrote right back at the beginning, talking about how you can achieve some of the things you just mentioned. And support for it in Kubernetes has been, it's been a while, shall we say. I've been doing these interviews since 2018, and it was September 2019 was the first conversation I had with a release manager where they had to apologize for sidecar containers not shipping in that release. Well, here we are. Thank you for not letting the side down. (laughs) There are a bunch of other features that are going to GA in 128. Tell me about what's new with kubectl events. Yeah, so we got a new CLI um, and now it is separate from kubectl get. I think the changes in the CLI is always a little bit more apparent because it's got user facing. Mm -hmm. Are there a lot of other user facing changes or are most of the things in the release very much behind the scenes? I would say it's a good mix of both. Depends on what you're interested in. I'm interested, of course, in non-graceful node shutdown support. What can you tell us about that? Right. So for situations where um, you have a hardware failure or a broken OS, we have added additional support for a better gateful shutdown. So again, if someone trips over the power cord at your LAN party and your cluster goes offline as a result. Right, exactly. So more availability. That's always good. And if it's not someone tripping over your power cord, it's probably DNS that broke your cluster. What's changed in terms of DNS configuration? Oh, we introduced a new feature gate to allow more DNS search path. Is that all there is to it? That's pretty much it. Yeah, you can have more and longer DNS search path. Never, never long enough. Just search everything. If .com doesn't work, try .net and try .io after that, I'm sure. Surely. So those are a few of the big features that are moving to stable. Obviously, over the course of the last few releases, the features come and go through moving from alpha to beta and so on. New features coming in today might not be available to people for a while. As you mentioned, there's feature gates that you can enable to allow people to have access to these. What are some of the newest features that have come in 
that are in alpha that are particularly interesting to you personally? I have two. So the first one is kubectl delete interactive. I'm always nervous when I delete something, you know, it's going to be a typo or it's going to be the wrong tab filler. So we have an interactive flag for that now. So you can get feedback on what you're about to delete before you do it? Right. Confirmation is good. You mentioned two there. What was the second one? Right. So this one is close to my heart. This is a SIG release cap. So publishing on community infrastructure. Not sure if you know, but as part of my branch management associate role in 1.27, I had the opportunity to cut a few releases and it takes up to 12 hours sometimes. And now we are hoping that that process only includes release managers. So we don't have to call up the folks at Google and, you know, lengthen that process anymore. Is 12 hours the expected length for a software of this size or is the work in place to try and bring that down? There's so much work in place to bring that down. I think 12 hours is on the shorter end of it. Unfortunately, we have had situation where we have to, you know, switch the release manager because it's just so late at night for them. Because, yeah, they've fallen asleep halfway through. Exactly. Yeah. Six to 12 hours, I think, is, is our status quo. The theme for this release is Plantinetes. That's going to need some explanation, I feel. Okay, I had full creative <laughs> full creative control over this and it is summer in the northern hemisphere and I am a big house plants fanatics. It's always a little sad when I have to move cities for co-op and can't take my plants with me. Is that a border control thing? They don't let you take them over the border? It's not even that. They're just so clunky and fragile. Mm -hmm. Um, It's usually not worth the effort. But I think our community is very much like a garden. We have, you know, very critical roles in the ecosystem and we all have to work together. Will you be posting seeds out to contributors and growing something together all around the world? That would be so cool. If that's merged, like a little cart with like seed embedded in it. I don't think we have the budget for that, though. <laughs> CNCF. You say that. There are people who are very inspired in, in many different areas. I, I love talking to the release managers and hearing the things that they're interested in. There's so many musicians as well. I don't know if, if that's a passion of yours. But you should think about taking some seeds off one of your plants and just spreading them around the world. And then people can take pictures and tag you in them on Instagram. That's cool. You know how we have like sick beard? We can have a sick plant. You worked for a long time with the release lead for 127, Xander. One of the benefits of uh, having done my interview with him in writing and not in the podcast is I don't have to try butchering pronouncing his surname. Can you help me out here? I unfortunately cannot. I don't want to butcher it either. Anyway, Xander told me that he suspected that in this release, you would have to deal with some very last minute PRs, as is tradition. Was that the case? I vividly remember the last minute PRs from last release because I was trying to cut the releases or part of that team. But thankfully, that was not the case um, this release. We have other challenges, of course. Can you tell me some of those challenges? Yeah, I think improvement on documentation is always a big part. I think Mm -hmm. the cab process can be very daunting to new contributors. So like, how do you get people to review your caps? How do you opt in? All that stuff. So we are working on improving documentations for that. As someone who has been through a lot of releases, I've been feeling, like you've said, that the last minute things have kind of been slowing down a little. The process is perhaps improving. Do you see that? Do you see that the process has been improving over the last few releases? Or do you think there's still quite a long way to go to improve it for the leads? I think we've came really far. When I started in 1.22, we were using spreadsheets to track you know, 100 enhancements. And it was a monster. It was terrified to touch it. Um, And now we're on GitHub boards. 
As a result of that, we are actually merging the bug triage and CI signal team in 1.29. Okay. Yeah. What's the impact of that? The bug triage team is now using the uh, GitHub board to track the GitHub bugs, which mm-hmm. is really efficient. So we are able to merge the two teams together. I have heard a rumor that GitHub boards are just powered by spreadsheets underneath. Honestly, even if that's true, the fact that it's on the same platform and it has like better version control is just magical. At this time, the next release lead has not yet been announced, but tradition dictates that uh, you write down your feelings, best wishes, and instructions to them in an envelope, which you'll leave in their desk drawer. What are you going to put inside that envelope? Our 1.28 release lead is fantastic, and they're so capable of uh, handling the release. That's you, isn't it? 1.29? <laughs> no, I'm too tired. I need, I need to catch up on my sleep. Um, my advice for them, it's going to be okay. It's, it's all going to be okay. Um, I was going to echo Leo's and Cece's word is to, to over-communicate, but mm-hmm. I think that has been said enough times already. You've communicated enough. Stop. No more communication. Yeah. <laughs> no more communication. It's going to be okay. And honestly, shout out to uh, my emeritus advisor, Leo, for reminding me that because sometimes there are a lot of fires and it can be overwhelming, mm-hmm. but it will be okay. As we've alluded to a little bit throughout the conversation, there are a lot of people in the Kubernetes community who for want of a better term, people who have had a lot of experience at running these systems. And then there are, of course, a lot of people who are just at the beginning of their careers, like yourself at university. How do you feel the difference between how those groups interact? Is, is there one team throughout or, or what is it that you think that, that each can learn from the other? I think the diversity of the team is one of its strengths and I really enjoy it. I learned so much um, from you know folks who have been doing this for 20 years mm-hmm. or um, folks who are new to the industry like I am. I know the CNCF go to a lot of effort to enable new people to take part. Is there anything that you can talk about how people might get involved with that? Yeah. So firstly, I think SIG Release has started a wonderful tradition or system of helping new folks join the release team as a shadow and help them grow into bigger positions like leads. And I think other SIGs are also following that template as well. But a big part of me joining and sticking with the community has been the ability to go to conferences. So as I said, um, my first conference was KubeCon. When was it? 2021, maybe? Mm -hmm. 2020? I was not involved in the community at all. And so a big shout out to the CNCF and the companies that sponsor the Dan Cohn and the Speaker Scholarship. That has been the sole reason that I was able to attend KubeCon and meet people and feel the power of the community. Last year's KubeCon in North America was in Detroit? Detroit. I was there, yeah. It's quite a long drive. I was in SF, so I flew over. Oh, so you you live right next door. If only you'd been in Waterloo. Yeah, but who knows? Maybe I'll do a road trip from Waterloo to Chicago this year. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Grace. Thank you for having me. You can find Grace on Twitter and GitHub as GraceNNG, and you can find other links to her writing and work in the show notes. Thanks to the Kubernetes 1.28 contributors and release team. Thanks to Grace for her time today, and thanks to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this interview, please subscribe at craigbox.substack.com or follow me on Twitter or mastodon.social as Craigbox. I have a release of my own this week, so I'll be back in a month or two.